Welcome to episode 7 of Building Blocks with Brendan. Today, I have to tell the truth, I'm nerding out a little bit because we're talking about a hobby I fell in love with at the beginning of COVID, and that's mechanical keyboards. If you're seeing this on YouTube, you can see what I'm holding. But if you're not, listen to these clicky clacky sounds. Ah, so much peace. And that's what we're talking about today. Mechanical keyboards. Yes, the keyboard you use to log into your computer. Many people use keyboards. In fact, if you use a computer, you've had to have used a keyboard before but very few know about how customizable they can be. What's even more interesting is the price range that can encompass them. You can get a keyboard for $100 all the way up to thousands of dollars, yet there's so much customability. Well, today we're speaking with Vince over at Apex Keyboards, and what's very interesting about our conversation is not only learning about the whole industry, but most importantly, learning how we started a business all while in high school. Vince was able to create not only a keyboard company, but at the end of the day, as you'll learn, is a very much a logistics company, all while still being a student. What's very interesting about the keyboard world is how trust-based it was and how Vince was able to build a relationship online through a great UI UX design on his website and by having a very well-connected Discord server, which is very unique to me, as most of the businesses I work with are newer to Discord. One of the unique things with a mechanical keyboard in general is how purchasing works as well. A lot of times things are purchased through group buys, meaning you and a bunch of other individuals will pull your money together and place an order overseas. Six to seven months later, the product will be shipped. When it comes to keyboards and mechanical keyboards in general, there's a lot of trust related to this. And that's why it was so important for Vince to develop a great website and also a great following. Hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation today, but most importantly, hopefully you take a look into this hobby. And by the end of the year, you'll all be hearing the clicking and clacking in the office if you too fall in love with a mechanical keyboard hobby, Vince, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, so I guess to start off, what is your story? So how I, I met you or heard about you is with your business within mechanical keyboard ecosystem. So what is the business kind of, what do you do? How did it start? The whole little backstory, a little of your pitch. Yep. So I'll probably go through the like a little history then. Mm -hmm. So I started off in 2017, I believe. Uh, I had, I had mechanical. I, I did mechanical keyboard meetups first. So I I did that uh, in 2017 December. It was actually at a UFT downtown location. At, uh, it's called like the best place. Mm -hmm. It's like an entrepreneurship place, I believe. So I got a booking there through someone in the community, and I guess uh, going a little back more. Um, how I got into this hobby. I think most people get in this hobby by uh, playing video games and then they want like better actuation and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I genuinely just, just went, went through the process, uh, found out that there's stuff that I can modify. So I got the G, the Logitech G710. So that thing has uh, O-rings on it. So I decided to take them off and that kind of started my journey into customizing it. And I guess a little bit after the meetup, I started finding pockets in the, in the supply for keyboards in Canada. So I just thought that, oh, there's something that people are in the U.S. are getting, but we don't have it. So I thought that was a great opportunity to uh, get Holtite sockets. So Holtite sockets are basically some little electronic component where you can uh, put into the switches, uh, put in the PCB so you can make hot swap uh, PCB. So that's, that's basically where I started off. And so very niche industry, pretty... I guess you'd say like, like you're saying, mostly comes from the United States. Most of these things take a little while. What made you decide to start? It's almost like a business. Was it you started creating these P 
PCBs that became hot swappable and started selling those kind of, how did it all start? Or were you from day one, like I need to you know, find a side hustle or a business, or was it a hobby? And then people started calling you and then you're like, oh, wow. I'll make, like, how did you transition to a, from a, I guess you'd say idea or something you're kind of doing for yourself or your friends to a legitimate business, making the website and everything else. So like with the hot swap thing, I, I just found out that there's this gap in demand, right? A mm -hmm. gap in supply. So I felt like I could be that sort of bro broker or people call it proxies now mm -hmm. for these kind of products, right? So most of these are pretty niche. So like, let's see, uh, the first item that I actually sold like a uh, worldwide kind of was the Contra 40% by Heinebush. Mm -hmm. So Heinebush is actually a pretty popular designer in the keyboard community right now. Uh, he's moved away from more DIY kits to more uh, custom kits with like aluminum boards and such. So that was actually his first venture into uh, selling stuff, I believe. And then I got into contact with him. He said that he wanted someone in Canada to sort of handle shipping because he wasn't really sure how to do that. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. And mm -hmm. that was pretty much my first endeavor because I, I, I put out an interest check and there's a lot of Canadians that actually wanted this product. So that was mm -hmm. one of my first endeavors. So what I found really interesting about that is that did you have any experience shipping products before or was it like you reach out to him, you're like, hey, I I I enjoy this. I've done some surveys or I know some this is some interesting people are interested in Canada. Trust me to help you know fulfill shipments and do shipments. How did that go? Like how did he um, trust you or like pretty yeah. easy? I don't know, because uh, the community is pretty grassroots from mm -hmm. 2017, I guess, uh, and, and before mostly people were doing this just for passion projects. Right. Mm -hmm. So there has been a lot of cases where people would run away with money or people just, uh, like there's something, a lot, something wrong with the fulfillment or logistics. And that has happened. Uh, a lot of them are Canadian, unfortunately. Um, mm -hmm. but I basically just asked and reached out to him and he, he said, sure. So <laughs> it's pretty easy. <laughs> That's that's so unique. I, I you didn't have experience. You know, I would think, yeah, I, I would think you're like, yeah, you know, I started going a production company. I was doing this, and then oh, I'll just add this on. It was so very entrepreneurial, but also like business focused for you to say, hey, I want to try this out. I'm very passionate about this. Let's give it a shot. Let's see what see what happens. I mean, now, you, is it safe to say you were like one of the largest, if not like the go to place in Canada for everything mechanical keyboard related? I definitely say top three right now that are usually Canadian focused. Mm -hmm. So I guess the top three would be Desk Hero, um, mm -hmm. maybe Ash Keebs and me. Uh, Zeal's also in Canada, but he mainly focuses on the US market since mo his since he debuted his state uh, with USD. So most people don't actually know he's Canadian. So oh, so you should get you start. So how does it work? So when one of the things I always like to talk about is. When you think of a physical good product, because a lot of times you think of entrepreneurship or businesses, you're like tech, 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 tech. It's easy. There's zero physical cost. There's no storage. You can sell it for whatever. But when it comes to fulfillment, there's a lot of, I guess you say, upfront costs with just being able to acquire the products, the SKUs, and then ship them out. So how did that work? Like, Was it a big cost investment on your side or did you figure out like was pre-ordering is the reason pre-ordering so popular just due to the fact that you can minimize risk so how are you able to minimize risk instead of having because i don't know in case who's ever listening doesn't understand mechanical keyboards are not like oh 20 dollar 30 dollar keyboard they're quite costly 
in the grand scheme of keyboard. So how did you get into the business without, I'm assuming, having a boatload of capital in a storage warehouse? Yeah, so going through like the history of mechanical keyboards, mm-hmm. most of the things done were are based on group buys. So basically mm-hmm. group buys are just, for those of you, uh, those listening that don't know what it is, is uh, people, a company or someone will take in orders of a specific product and then they'll ask the factory to make it and then they'll handle shipping. So in the back end of the days, there's usually one person doing that for the community. So um, this time you were saying how I, how, how I handled fulfillment, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. How were you able, so when you first started and you started you know, shipping or being distributing the products, was it just like, were you just mailing them out? Did you have to put like a huge down payment on them? Like, how did you get into this whole fulfillment industry with, I'm assuming they, without having like a hundred thousand dollars just to buy all this product and hope it sells was it just utilizing the group buy method. Yeah. So most of them, so I'm pretty sure most of our stuff right now is pre-orders because mm-hmm. that's usually uh, a less of a risk thing. So, but right now, for example, like switches and stuff, I, I have the capital to buy the, mm-hmm. buy the stock rather than pre-ordering. So that's something I started off with mostly group buys mm-hmm. like everyone else. And that's, I find that so fascinating. So like to me, group buys were never a thing I heard of much at all, just because most of the things I'd buy or tech I'd buy, I mean, pre-orders are not really similar, but kind of similar, but I never would, I never knew of these group buy things until I actually got more into mechanical keyboards. So one thing you brought up earlier was that trust is a quite a big issue because mostly with these group buys, it does take, you know, let's say a month, I'm not sure what these timeframes are, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but let's take a month to do group buy, then another month to you know, get the orders, another month for shipping. So it's from the date you're purchasing to getting the product can be six months out. How were you able to get past the trust uh, uh, aspects of it? Well, I think it really begins with how you, Im- how you brand yourself on the internet, I guess. If you have... Like, right, I guess it's pretty easy to brand yourself on the internet. You just have a website and then put some logos and yeah. <laughs> so I think it's just overall, the community was really trusting and they allowed that to happen. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so interesting. So obviously you started off pretty well connected in the, in the community. How long into, you know, working with this fulfillment and kind of starting that till you realized this was a legitimate business or some thing that you could start selling more and more products was it right away was it after people kept coming back to you for more kind of how did it go from a i guess you say a passion project to a full-run business i know when i bought from you there's many products you have a very active discord like yeah. compared to most i was like oh my goodness there must be a thousand people like i was assuming your organization would have tens of 20 of people working there because there was so much activity so much community involvement so many orders going out instagram everything did it, was your idea always to make it a business or did it just keep growing and growing? And then you're like, one day look back and you're like, oh, wow, now I have a legitimate company I'm running here. So it, most of the stuff, most of the like sales, I guess, or mm-hmm. where I saw that there was a potential mm-hmm. was in the Heine group by in the Heine Contra 40. Mm-hmm. So back then I was in grade 10, I think. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I was in grade 10. I was I was doing like what you would do in grade 10, maybe like take some outs- outside of curricular activities. Mm-hmm. So I was at a swimming course, I believe. I, rem- I still remember mm-hmm. it. I was at a 
um, swimming instruction instruction course. And then I just, I put up the group by one day and then I kept getting orders like almost one a day, two a day. And then on the last few days, there was a lot of orders, like 10. So I was like, okay, I'm onto something here. Mm-hmm. And that was basically like the, the catalyst of everything. I didn't really think of it as a business, really. I, I registered my business pretty late. I believe a year after mm-hmm. in 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that is hilarious because you're relatively young and you're like, oh, wow, I'm getting thousands of dollars worth of orders. Oh, shoot. Were you expect, like, was that a surprise how many orders you were getting when you started realizing like, oh, this is some real money. It's not like, oh, you know, I sold, this is a bad example because no one really sells lemonade anymore. But like, typically when you think you're grade 10, like I did some programming, I would sell some things on the side. would be like, oh, I made 20 bucks. I'm happy. You were like, you were like, okay, I'm selling stuff. And now I have quite a few clients looking for this. So what was that transition? Like you started getting those group buys. Did you have a website already? Did you have the disc kind of, how did it all start from there? Was the website already up and running or did you start website after the fact? Yeah. So basically starting from day one, the hot swap group buy, I was, I ran through PayPal on invoices. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty tedious process. So I would have to go out and invoice people. I think the the Contra group buy, yeah, the Contra group buy was through uh, Big Cartel. So that was my mm-hmm. first storefront. Yeah. It's so wild. So. You do the contra group buy, things are going well. How long till Apex Keyboards gets up and running? Was it from day one you used the same branding or when did it do the website pop up and everything else? Yep. So the the website basically popped up during the contra group buy. Mm-hmm. I think I had an initial, my original name was Alpha Keycaps. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with the artisan community, but there's there's already mm-hmm. a, a, a artisan person called Alpha Keycaps. So they actually reached out to me and they're like, hey, we have this name. Is it okay if you change to something else? So I was like, okay, alpha is like number one. I'll choose apex. Cause that's like number one too. Yeah. That's so, that's so funny how it's like similar meaning and wording, but then you're like, oh, I'll just switch it up. And it is such a tight, tight knit community. I mean, I think for most people, at least for me, it was like mechanical key keyboards. Like you said, gone to gaming. I started playing video games. I'm like, everyone I knew or everything was like razor. Razor was like the coolest thing back in grade school. You're like, Wow, I have the Death Adder. I have RGB. RGB, hottest thing right now. I can get multiple colors. And this was before everything was RGB. And then you're like mechanical clicky keys. You're like, oh, wow, I'm so cool. I can make sound when I type. And then your parents were like, stop typing so loud. So I had the whole introduction that way. And then one day, I mean, probably for a lot of people, it was like through Lions Tech Tips or anything like that, where you're like, oh, you can build these. And then kind of everyone being a little crafty decided to do it. So how wait, how would, how were you first introduced? I know you touched on this a bit, but how were you first introduced to mecha- you know, mechanical keyboard community? Was it, you're saying some typically starts with gaming. Was it gaming based or were you just researching? Did you build a keyboard first or how'd you get involved with the community as well? Yeah. So the, so the first keyboard that I owned was the Logitech G710. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I probably watched some videos on Linus Tech Tips Mm-hmm. I think in general, Linus Tech Tips has has helped me a lot. I'm not sure if you saw the video, but I've been on yeah. their show once, uh, like featured on their show. And yeah. I think the the video, the mechanical keyboard keyboard uh, video from Luke, that was the one that brought me into the community the most, I believe. Oh, wow. That, it, it's so funny how like, it's such a Canadian, I mean, based on Vancouver, I moved to Vancouver mm-hmm. uh, for my MBA and then 
it was so funny. So like, I watch a lot of tech tips since since I was in like high school. So for probably for like five six years, I moved to Vancouver. I'm like, they are, they're here. Can I like should I go? Should I do a drive? Should I visit? It was so funny how all those years back, that was like the first time I landed in Vancouver. I'm like, Linus Tech Tips is here. Maybe I can see them one day on the streets. Uh, never did though. Never got a chance. And then COVID happened. Um, but what I really found interesting about your story specifically is that you started relatively young. And like you said, I find a lot of successful businesses or even companies in general typically start as a passion project where there wasn't really an intention to make it a full-blown business. So how, you know, you started doing this group by contra group buys. What were your friends thinking at the time? Like, were, how long till people start realizing like, Oh shoot. If you really have a business here, I always see your Instagram. There's like a thousand boxes where your family, like, why are these shipments coming to the house? Like how did that discussion happen? Or were, were they supportive or were they like, you need to stop buying keyboards. This is get the house is full with keyboards. There's keycaps and like the cereal bowls. Like how did that whole discussion kind of happen? Did you, you, did you recruit friends to help you like package this? Like what, what was the whole story there? So I guess starting with the uh, the high school part, or the friends, I guess, how my friends thought. So I started doing the contract group by in 20, uh, in grade 11, I think, or 10. So I think people, because I was in I was in a business class, actually, uh, and my friends sort of jokingly told the teacher, oh, look at Vince, he's selling keywords on the side. And then my, friend, and my, te- my teacher was like, no way, no way. This guy's not making money. This guy's not making money. So he's one of my most favorite, like my favorite teachers, I guess, because... <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just, he never thought that it would actually be a business. So I think mm-hmm. the, uh, in grade 11 or 12, they started seeing like a lot of content on Instagram mostly and all, and me taking pictures of these orders. And, and my teacher was like, Oh wow, you've actually got something going. So <laughs> my friends, I think, uh, still to this day, still think it's kind of funny how I just randomly started selling keyboards and, uh, started making a decent amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I guess for my family, uh, they've mm-hmm. been really supportive. So starting with the Contra group, they, they tried to give me some advice on business, but they're not, they're, my parents aren't really from a mm-hmm. business, uh, like a, from a, mm-hmm. occupationally. So they did try to give me some advice. I mm-hmm. guess I, I did listen to them. The, I guess the only mm-hmm. uh, problem I ran into the, for the Contra group by was actually not accounting for import taxes because I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's so funny. So jump, you know, jump through your university, university students, your business is bigger now than ever. I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, I, I came across, you told all my work colleagues, I was like, Hey, need buy mechanical keyboard, any, anything else? Desk mats, very hot right now. Kind of go, go to your website. How can you balance it all? Cause from my understanding, it's like pretty, like I said in, before, is like you have a very active Discord. I've emailed you in support, being the anti-customer. I was like, hey, I ordered this last month. What's happening? What's going on? Like, What's the status on the group buy? And you're like, check the Discord. That's what I said. You're very nice. But I was like, oh, yes, I forgot about the Discord. How are you able to kind of manage it all? Because I'm assuming this is pretty time consuming. And school university by no means is a walk in the park typically either. Yeah. So I guess going back to the, I remember the, the, the question that you asked before, it was, uh, did I do this myself or did I recruit mm-hmm. anyone? So 
I don't know. Just my personality. I don't like asking for help much. Mm-hmm. So that's like, I guess, one of my weaknesses. But I, I, I do this all by myself. So right now, I guess uh, I'll tell you my like routine, I guess, today uh, mm-hmm. d- during the week. So I usually get some orders during the night or throughout the day. And then I would print out the orders the day, the, the night before. So yesterday I printed out some orders. And then I probably mm-hmm. sometimes wake up at 9, 11. And then I'll pack up some orders. There's probably usually like 20 or 30. So I just pack them up. And then Canada Post comes to pick it up at three. And then most of my courses right now, I'm taking, I've been taking four because I felt that five was a bit hard to handle with both things. Mm-hmm. So I just took four. Right now, I'm I'm mainly trying to boost my GPA right now. So I took mostly uh, <laughs> courses that I can aren't live because most of the harder courses like stats, math, mm-hmm. are live lectures. So I've, I'm doing yeah. uh, management communications. I have two bird courses and... Uh, what do I have on my four? Some other management course. But yeah, I, I usually, after yeah. three o'clock when Canada Post comes to pick up, I just start doing lectures and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's pretty, pretty impressive still. I mean, I did business school as well. And even though I was just doing school and then I entered my MBA, I started working part time, it's like difficult to manage, especially prioritize. Um, yeah. The best case scenario, though, is I knew a few of my, friends, I guess you could say during both courses, if you took like a business course, which is like a new entrepreneurship or like new venture creation, mm-hmm. if they had a business, they'd be like, I am starting a business. And they would just work on their business for the course, which was like an easy way of getting a hundred percent. Cause you'd be like, look, I made a sale. And they were like, so impressive. The profs would be like, wow, so impressive. You could run everything. So, I mean, this is legitimately like a pretty much a full-time job. So in the I know for, for example, for me, and this could be, I, it could be just because I never got into gaming. I got too early. So discord was never that popular for a way of communicating. Is that the most common place where most of your client clients, most of the people in the community are connecting is like the most prominent, I don't know if you consider social media, but like most prominent platform to use. I believe so. Cause right now my discord has around 5,000 members and my Instagram has around 4,000 followers. So I'd say that that's the main that's where I usually funnel people to mm-hmm. because I use it uh, personally a lot. So with like mm-hmm. friends and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that was just a really easy place for me to do short updates. I don't have to do an Instagram post. I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about hashtags, that kind of stuff. So just like whenever mm-hmm. like, oh, I if I have like some short update for my customers, like, oh, this is, this is getting a little bit delayed. I'll just post it on there instead of doing mm-hmm. like a lengthy email. And it works great. Like when I was checking all the updates on, uh, this girl is super easy to read. I never actually used it before relatively except for like mm-hmm. pretty much just voice chat and uh, other functions, but it was super easy to manage an easy way of figuring out what key updates kind of what are the key updates. So, I mean, since the first Contra launch, you're in a little bit of everything. Now you have a ton of group eyes going on. When you looking at the future, is it, is there any other product types you're looking into? Like I know I want to buy it truthfully. I really wanted to buy it was your uh, importing. I forgot which one it is, uh, which brand it was, but the new brass, uh, I think, was it? I don't know if it's a hundred percent. I don't think, I, I forget which type it was, but you're kind of getting to bigger and bigger products. Mm-hmm. Is there a new goals for the business or is there new products you're focusing on? Or is it just expanding into offering more group buys and kind of getting better deal partnerships? Kind of how does it keep growing from here? So I guess starting from last year when everything started uh, started 
growing. Mm-hmm. The main thing I was focused on, I wanted to get my hands on was uh, mostly custom kits. So right now you're probably seeing Gian, Gian's a creator mm-hmm. in Korea. Uh, I worked with uh, TX last year, two years ago, my first year at university. That's how I keep track of things. <laughs> but that, I worked with TX before to do the mm-hmm. EO87 board, which was a more budget-friendly acrylic bottom and mm-hmm. aluminum top board. So I think right now my main goals are to make to sell bigger products, uh, mm-hmm. mostly value-wise, I guess. So because before usually I was selling uh, switches, not switches, uh, lube and springs, that sort of mm-hmm. stuff, low value items. So I, I try to want to mm-hmm. push up the order values to something more niche because because right now there's mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of new companies pushing um, these these very cheap and uh, was it low barrier to entry products. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to differentiate myself to something that's um, something that they would also buy, but also is mm-hmm. high end. So that's mm-hmm. something I'm aiming towards. I, I also want to get a store, but I'm not sure if that's uh, that's feasible right now. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was very impressive. I know it's so funny. And this, I mean, you've probably ran into this as well. So when I was, building my first keyboard. Like I went as cheap as possible. Cause I'm like, I'd buy a soldering gun. I'm like, I don't want hot swaps. I don't want to, even though it's not cheating. I was like, I want to do it myself. Get the, uh, what I learned after I didn't know this. And if, if anyone's listening to this, like the switch type is like choosing what's your favorite type of wine. Like everyone has a strong opinion on which is the best and how everyone else is wrong. Linear tactile, uh, let's see, clicky. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is too many options. Everyone online's like, you are wrong if you choose this one, choose this one. No one get MX Brown. Everyone hates MX Brown, which is like, a, I'm like, I don't know why everyone hates it, but like, you're not supposed to talk about it on online or on YouTube. But what I found interesting with it was, like we said before about the price and learning about everything, was that it is super tricky to get. Oh, sorry. I know where I was going. The keyboard, this is just a funny story, is the keyboard lube. So my girlfriend, I was like, oh, I have to buy lube for the keyboard. And she was like, what the heck are you talking about? And why is it $20? I'm like, no, you can't just use Pam. You have to use this airplane quality, like cry talks. I was like, what is this? Can I just buy the Home Depot? It's like, this is made for high, you know, military based fighter planes. And I'm like, what the heck? How fast are we typing? I'm at like 80 words per minute. I'm not breaking the sound barrier. But it's really funny when you just brought that up, how like it's so niche. It's also not cheap when you're thinking. I thought like, oh, it was relatively expensive as it is. To, and it took me hours. But like you were saying, my whole win, win was that like more expensive products. So how much, uh, this is interesting because you're more niche. You're like when you, someone says, you know, custom mechanical keyboard, like what is the price range typically from like the low end to the high end? Low end? I feel like there's right now a lot of market cannibalization between the low mm-hmm. and mid range because KBD fans is, uh, I'm sure you're, 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 mm-hmm. you're, you've heard of KBD fans. They're putting out a lot of low end boards, but then when you add in the switches and the keycaps, it becomes like almost 500 Canadian. So I don't know if that, mm-hmm. I don't know if you would consider that mid, middle or low, but I guess design wise and complexity wise, they are on the low end. Mm-hmm. So 500 Canadian dollars can get you on the low end. And then if you go on to more custom stuff, like the ones that we're running mm-hmm. right now, I have the Hidari, which is a 1800 F key, F rowless mm-hmm. keyboard. So that's around, what is my pricing? I don't even remember. I think, yeah, it's in, I think it's around 500 Canadian too, but those are probably the more higher end, better design keyboards. 
And mm -hmm. I guess most of the keyboards that are um, made by good creators are around 500 USD. And then you can probably aftermarket, it goes into a thousand something. And then I guess on the higher echelon of MSRP would be 700 to 800. Mm -hmm. But I don't think any, um, any MSRP boards are around 1000. Yeah. It, that is, so for me, when I was first buying it, I thought it was super expensive. And then you do like any justification. You're like, well, if you, you know, I use my keyboard every day. It's a passion project. It's like going to be a hobby to build. I can justify the cost, even though it's sometimes hard when you're like, but you could just buy one for $30 break. You don't understand, especially when I was talking to my friends, uh, even my, even my like, CEO and my coworkers, I was like, oh, I bought a keyboard. They're like, oh, like, was it, how much was it? I'm like, oh, it was cheap. It was only 200 bucks because I got from Ali, AliExpress and they're like, cheap. I'm like, yeah, like I was looking at one that's me $800 and like for like a piano, you're buying a grand piano, a Yamaha grand piano. I'm like, no, no, no. A keyboard you type on is it different? Can it do other emojis? I'm like, nope, it's same letters. But you have to try the clickiness. They're like butter. So it's really funny. Like anything else, like the more niche you get, the hot, ex more expensive it gets. But like you were saying, it does become a little bit of an art form, like the quality, the brass finish. Like when I was on your website, I was like, I just built my keyboard being in COVID. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting, you know, my job's going well. Do I do I drop an, $1,000 or do I save up for a house? And that is the decision I'm making these days. But I am looking for, because I have the of uh, 60%. Which was great. It's just like I have no numpad now, and I'm like, ah, I kind of have to use Excel a lot more. So, is it just so interesting? It's such an interesting uh, thing. Even now, even I built mine. I'm talking to all my coworkers, and they're looking into buying them as well. So it's very much a once you get into the hobby, it's like it's just like a little community. Very cool. Very very unique because I think it's one of the rare hobbies where, like, one of the hobbies that I got into was bonsai. Pretty heavily, I spent some time in Japan doing it, but like. Similar, I guess similar is that everyone sees it. They're like, oh, that's super cool making a little tree, have a cool custom, custom keyboard. Very similar because they're both very cool, but very difficult to get into. So really like the work you're doing, especially getting into Canada, because I feel like most things it's like, oh, it's cool, but you have to be in the United States. Like Canada yeah. never always gets a short end of stick yeah. um, on things. So what I was going to say is kind of, so you're still in school. This is still kind of going more and more. And you said one day, I guess you're going to have a store, at least make this. Is your goal, I guess, I mean, things can change, but in, in the future, kind of making this a full-time job when you graduate and kind of becoming a full-fledged business? Or is it more always to you going to say more as a side project, in your opinion? I think currently it's just a stepping stone. I guess one of the end game mm -hmm. goals I want to have for the business mm -hmm. is to have a physical, not only a storefront, but just a place where I can put my stock. Because right now... It's in my house and I have to like bring it down the stairs, bring it back up. And that's not very good physically. So I think that is the end game. But I guess career wise, it's just a, uh, it's just a stepping stone. Um, I, I think I'm really interested in your your background as well, because um, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about uh, specializing in strategy and strategic mm -hmm. management. So I think it can be I already had some ideas about how I can make this into a backbone for a consulting business, I guess. So mm -hmm. I, I know some businesses downtown that don't have a lot of presence online and they may be uh, getting less sales right now due to COVID. There's, mm -hmm. there's no, uh, there's no walk-in, I guess, or pickup might be a bit hard. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was thinking one of the stepping stones was uh, to have a consulting business that would help businesses digitize their companies. So one of the aspects would be e-commerce, mm -hmm. I guess. 
I, I mean, with COVID, that's such a hot button topic right now. But like, I tell a lot of people, especially in regards to entrepreneurship, is that like, if you just start a business or do anything, like you can learn so many valuable skills. Like for yourself, like distribution is not simple. Like how do you get things out? How do you price them properly? How Even though it might seem like, oh, you just call Canada Post and pick it up. There's like customer service, ensuring things get shipped on time. There's so much work there. And for a lot of businesses, I do think you could easily pivot or not even pivot, like use this to get into a consultancy business as a, you know, multiple businesses as a side as well. But thank you so, you know, great connecting. Thanks so much for your time. If people want to kind of get involved, buy a mechanical keyboard, kind of follow you, where, where can people find you or what's the easiest way to find you? If you want to, the, the quickest way to contact me, I guess, would be on discord.gg slash Apex Keyboards with an S. Uh, if you want to get on our website, it's www.apexkeywords.ca. And on most social platforms, it should be Apex Keyboards. And yeah, Perfect. thanks for having me. Perfect.